Welcome to the Ignite Podcast, the only healthcare marketing podcast that digs into the digital strategies and tactics that help you accelerate growth. Each week, Cardinals experts explore innovative ways to build your digital presence and attract more patients. Buckle up for another episode of Ignite. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Ignite. We are going to ignite a discussion around first-party data today. I'm Alex Membrio, CEO of Cardinal Digital Marketing. We have Rich Brittick on the line with us. He's British, and he's also the SVP of Performance Marketing. Let's talk about first-party data. First of all, what is the difference between first, is there a second-party, and third-party data? Walk us through that real quick, and then we're going to get into details about first-party. So the difference between first and third-party data is first-party data is essentially audiences that you build yourself. So if it's your remarketing is the most common first-party audience where someone will come to your website and then they will go into your remarketing pool. And that is an audience that, that you have built yourself. You've collected those people, you've collected those cookies, and now you're able to target them. And nobody else will have that audience, right? No one will be able to leverage your remarketing audience to target them. So it's not like your competitors can go out and find your remarketing pool and target them, right? Third-party data, though, is audiences that you buy or that you serve against on other advertising platforms. So, you know, if you're running paid social ads on Facebook, you might be targeting an interest audience, a, a native Facebook interest audience, which could be people who are interested in dentistry or people who are interested in a certain type of surgery or, or a certain type of condition. That is a third-party audience that Facebook has compiled and that you can target through Facebook with your ads, but that anybody else in your vertical could also target. They are not unique. Anybody using that platform can purchase that audience or can use that audience. The issue with third-party audiences is twofold. Sometimes you don't really know how they've been compiled. And you don't really know how quality the people are within those audiences because you don't know every signal that's been used to compile that audience. And the second thing is you don't know how often they're being updated, right? So if you think about it, like if I'm in the market for something and I, I get categorized as, you know, I'm interested in X because I behave that way, I may have already made my purchase, right? I may have already got that service. But I'm still in that audience and you're still targeting me because that audience has not been updated. The cookies in that audience have not been updated. So that, that is primarily the issue with third-party audiences is it's very convenient because you don't have to go out and build your audience yourself, but you don't know how uh, recent those people are in those audience pools and everybody else can use the same audience. So it's not really a competitive advantage. So if you can build good first-party audiences and you can get people who are a lot more qualified and B, you've got, you've, you're tapping into an audience that nobody else has access to. So you, you've got a bit of an exclusive there with, with those folks. Give some examples of third-party audiences, provider groups. Let's talk healthcare. Give some examples. Where did people used to go by third-party audiences? What are some of the ones that still work? Maybe a little bit work, and then we'll transition to first-party stuff. The biggest area where you can tap into third-party audiences is going to be programmatic display. And on programmatic display, especially when you get outside of... Google's realm into players like Stack Adapt and healthcare specialty players like PulsePoint. There is a ton of third-party audiences that you can target. You can target condition models of specific conditions. 
You can target contextual conditions. You can target keyword-driven third-party audiences, so people who've been searching specific keywords or viewing articles that have specific keywords in them. And you can get down to you know conditions, symptoms, treatments, all sorts from a healthcare provider point of view. I mean, through PulsePoint, there are other programmatic providers available. This is just one that I'm mentioning. But through things like PulsePoint, you can even target uh, physicians based on the types of prescriptions they write. And patients based on condition symptom, right? Correct, correct. And it's HIPAA compliant. This is not heavy-duty stuff. It is HIPAA compliant. So there's no PII that's being essentially moved from them to you. It's yeah. all it's all hashed. It's all you know. It's all HIPAA compliant. So, so yeah. I mean, third party audiences are still a good way of expanding your reach out to a relevant audience. But as there are shifts in the marketplace, you know, obviously Facebook is the big one where data sharing has been limited with iOS fourteen. It's harder to just rely purely on third party audiences to drive all the performance that you need. And essentially now, what a lot of advertisers are doing is going one of two ways. They're either really doubling down on first-party audiences, which is what we're going to talk about a little bit here today, or they are leaving targeting wide open and they're letting the algorithm essentially figure out where their consumers are. And you know they're using this wide open targeting coupled with some messaging strategies and some ad format strategies that help the algorithm figure out who the right patient is. So those are the two strategies that people are going to, and they're relying less and less on third-party audiences. Gotcha. Let's talk tactics. What are some great ways providers, groups can collect first-party data that can later be used for all the different types of advertising talk? First of all, how do we collect this stuff? Yeah, absolutely. So I'd say it's twofold. This, This kind of two core mechanisms for collecting good first-party data. The first is, essentially, if you're trying to build a pool, you want to offer people things, right? So first of all, you want to drive them to your website. So you want to give them a reason to go to your website because that builds your remarketing pool. But then when they're on the website, you probably want to qualify them further, right? Because especially from paid social or from display, you can get a lot of people who click an ad and maybe it was a mistake, they're not really interested or they bounce straight away. Well, that's not really a very valuable first-party audience. You don't want to spend a lot of time and energy trying to re-engage these people who were never really interested in the first place and just accidentally clicked on your ad. So having certain things that then a user can do on the site and more importantly, tracking those things helps you build more qualified first-party audiences. So you may have a downloadable. You may do something as simple as setting up what we call scroll tracking. So essentially through Google Tag Manager, you can track when how far down a page a user got, right? Yeah. So maybe they got down to 50% of your page, which signifies that they're pretty interested in your content. You can segment audiences through Google Analytics by how much time a user has spent on the page or on the website. You can do something similar through Facebook where Facebook will actually determine what the top 25% of your website users are based on the activity that they take on the site. So tracking and having having offerings and what we call micro-conversions is a great way to further qualify your your first-party audiences. Now, that's number one, right? And, And other things, other examples, it doesn't just have to be downloadables. You can have like a quiz. So for a lot of healthcare clients, you'll see um, like behavioral health clients. You could have 
quiz. Like, uh, you know, okay. do, you, do you need help? Um, like, I think I see this a lot in the rehab space. Like, do you have a problem? And, and they'll have a quiz. Someone could take it, you know, how many times, how many days a week are you having a drink? How many drinks are you having? They fill out a quiz. And then, you know, essentially it says, yes, you may need to take action or no, you're kind of in the normal range. But you can then remarket to people who have taken that quiz if you're trapped. Okay. Can I remarket to people that have just scrolled through my site, been on my site a long time, build an audience off that, serve them a different ad? Correct. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I meant with scroll tracking and with average time on site. You can do that. For Google Analytics, you can do the the duration stuff. In fact, you you can set up all of those conversion actions through Google Tag Manager. You just have to have somebody who knows what they're doing in order to set that up. Okay. And enough traffic to warrant making separate audiences and creating ads. And so that kind of gets to my second point, which is the other way to to drive good first-party audiences is you want to start thinking about your advertising as a funnel. A lot of DR advertisers will focus on the bottom of the funnel. And the challenge with just focusing in on the bottom of the funnel is, well, it's great for driving a low CPA. Usually people are very expensive to engage with at that point. You know, if you think about some of the very competitive healthcare landscape, you may be paying $10, $12 a click. And so if you're trying to build an audience of 10,000, 20,000 people, we'll do 20,000 times 12. That's a lot of expenditure, right? That's a quarter of a million dollars you've got to expend to build that audience, which is not, is pretty cost prohibitive for most people. If you go up the funnel though, and all of a sudden you're building a first party audience by showing a brand awareness video to someone, a 15 to 30 second brand awareness video to someone at the top of the funnel, and maybe it costs two to three cents to watch that video, which is typically what a cost per view will cost on Facebook. Then all of a sudden building 20,000, an audience of 20,000 people that have watched your video costs significantly less. It's a fraction of the cost. Right. So what you can do is you can have them engage with that content, watch that content, and then if they watch beyond a certain percentage, you can say, okay, these guys are interested in my content. They're sort of lukewarm leads. And then you remarket to them because they watched your video with something else. Maybe it's another video. Maybe you drive them to a landing page, whatever it might be. And then if they complete that step, they then go into another first-party audience, which is going to be a little bit smaller. But now they've done two things. They've watched your video and they've gone to your page. And now they're a hot lead or they're a warm lead, right? Because they're engaging with you across multiple touch points. And you know that these people are interested. So, And those are going to end up being, by the way, your most valuable audiences if you can get them to be big enough. Because these are people who are actively engaging with you. They familiarize themselves with the brand. They've read your content. They know what you have to offer. And these are the people that you should be prioritizing from a a targeting point of view. Chatbots can get the... First-party data in there too? Facebook link. Tell us all the different ways we can collect the data. Again, I think chatbots ends up being one of those sort of micro events, right, where you you use people. You use it as a way to segment people's interest level. So maybe someone comes to the website and they have a question. They're not ready to give you their information yet. And if you have a chatbot, they can ask the bot that question and so you know that they've engaged with the bot, right? Which immediately probably puts them into the top 5% of engaged users that have come to your website. 
because they've been bothered to ask the bot a question. Then you can fire a conversion action based on that bot engagement. And that conversion action can put that user into a, into a pool and you can target them. So again, just similar to like what I just described with the funnel and with those micro events, chatbots are a good way to create uh, that list of warm users. Got it. What tech or processes are needed here, Rich, to make this all happen? Do I got to be a, a really advanced provider group or can Joe Schmo do this? Yeah, I mean, you probably need Google Tag Manager to set up all the tracking. Uh, but, and even if you're like, well, hang on a minute, what's a Google Tag Manager? Well, it's a free tool and you you know, it's it's fairly intuitive. I would say you may want a contractor to help you set some stuff up. There's loads of tracking contractors out there. You can find Upwork in all these places. You know, they're reasonable. First of all, it's just having a plan, right? Figuring out, okay, how am I going to drive these audiences? Am I going to do it through this funnel strategy where I have a lot of videos up top, in which case I'm going to need video content? Am I going to do it by tagging a bunch of activities on my website or having a bunch of downloadable content, in which case you guys need to produce the content and you need to determine what you're going to tag or create experiences? So first thing I'd say is get a plan. Second thing, then you can do the task and setup, build the content that you need, build the videos for the top of the funnel, all those things. Uh, but if you're doing all that stuff anyway, there are ways to do it relatively easily. You know, you can build stock vo- uh, video footage through loads of tools out there like Wave or Promo. There's tons of video builders, Canva. And then, like I said, Tag Manager is a free tool where you can do all the tracking okay. setup. So, so, yeah, I mean, you don't have to be a super advanced marketer. It's obviously easier if you already are familiar with these tools and if you're already doing tracking and you're already doing video content and you're already doing downloadables, but anybody can do it as long as they have a decent plan in place and, you know, they, they figured out the implementation piece. Okay. Does email play in here at all? How would I use this to segment people in my email nurture systems? Like someone that came in for an ACL tear, I want to serve different content to, or they haven't even come in for the ACL tear, I suppose, but they were on the ACL page. Can I email them different content? Is there any carryover or no way to do this? You can build pools of people who have clicked through from certain email campaigns, right? So maybe as a provider, you're, okay. you're doing some kind of promotion one month, right? Okay. Or some kind of new patient special. And yeah. you blast a bunch of folks out on your email list. Maybe it's maybe it's lapse patients, right? You know, a good example of this would be on the dental side, you, you get a ton of lapse patients, right? Because a lot of dental yep. patients are need-based and they only come in when they have a toothache or they need a filling, et cetera, et cetera. And so you may try and reactivate them on a six-monthly, 12-monthly basis. And as long as you're using UTM parameters on your links in your email back to your website, you can okay. know, you'll know that they clicked on that email Yep. From that specific campaign, they came to your website and then you can remarket to them differently with different ads, right? So maybe, you know, you had an email only offer to reactivate your list. They click through, you know, they came okay. from that campaign and then you could serve them an ad on social or on display. Okay. That is just that offer, just for them, because maybe it's only that specific group of lapsed patients that you want to see that promotion. So yeah, you absolutely can incorporate email into these efforts. Okay, let's talk about the future here. The iOS 14 thing 
you know, the tracking's gotten worse, conversion tracking worse, Facebook's ad revenue, I'm sure, is plummeting. It's all going to Google, and we're seeing it with clients, more to Google, more to Google. It seems to be a common theme that we're trying to now protect our data. It wasn't a thing. We would have handed over our social security number to Google five years ago. Now, no. Do you think it's not only fun to harness your own data and do something with it, but going to be critical here in the coming years as these third-party signals become less reliable? I think there's going to be two things that set advertisers apart when it comes to disruptive advertising. The first is that, as I said before, before we even get into first-party data, um, the first is that what's going to happen is all the big platforms, all the self-serve platforms are essentially going, trying to go to a model where they control everything in terms of targeting, right? So Google just released this new mass performance product where you don't do any targeting and it figures out which products to serve stuff on, which we're looking into right now. Facebook has, you know, DCO and, and um, is encouraging people to run wide open targeting and massive audiences. And so ultimately, the, the, the general thought is that it's going to go more and more to the place where you're not even picking the audiences anymore. Facebook will do that for you or a display vendor will do that for you. And it's all going to be programmatically figured out by the algorithm on finding that person and serving them at the right time with the right message. So what is going to help advertisers and agencies stand out in that model is creative and having great creative and having a great story to tell and really understanding their user and understanding if they're promo driven, having a great promo. So it's really going to be about actually setting yourself apart, positioning yourself in the right way um, as a position, as a market of one, uh, and truly differentiating yourself, and then effectively communicating that through good creative, right? That's going to yeah. be how you set yourself apart and you do well when audience targeting becomes less of a thing. The other thing, too, though, is if you have enough traffic and you know how to nurture people and build these first party audiences, that is going to be your competitive advantage because, like I said, that's an audience that nobody else will have. That's an audience that even, you know, the algorithms won't be able to hone in on. These people are already engaging with your brand. So they already know you and the chances are they like you. So that is like the low hanging fruit from an audience perspective. So if you can develop strategies that really help you build those audiences and then nurture them to the point of conversion, then you will be successful and you will have a competitive advantage over the folks that don't do that. Those, those are the two two things that I think will truly be where where this thing is going here in the next two to three years. I like it. I'd almost like to do an episode just on that. How do you harness your own future and not rely on all of these platforms to dictate it for you? First and third part of the day, y'all heard everything there is to hear. HIPAA, compliancy, intact. You can run a lot of these types of advertising. You need a good amount of traffic. But I'd also encourage you, when you're building these audiences, first party audience, third party, whatever it is, when you're building these audiences, go and create wonderful experiences based on where they are in the journey. We've got lots of podcast episodes, uh, Rich and I, uh, talking about the creative process, how you can roll out really good creative at scale based on someone's part of the journey that they are in. Not everybody should be getting offer-based messaging. You should be building different audiences. Sometimes they just need to get educated on what your practice provides. Maybe they just moved to the area. All kinds of fun stuff. They are in previous episodes. So please go back and listen. Rich, thanks for joining us on Ignite. 
Thanks for having me. We appreciate all your wisdom. Thanks for listening to this episode of Ignite. Interested in keeping up with the latest trends in healthcare marketing? Subscribe to our podcast and leave a rating and review. For more healthcare marketing tips, visit our blog at cardinaldigitalmarketing.com.